It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch. Can't wait! Can't can't can't, can't wait! It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280, the Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome on in. It is the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Take Ad- that, haters. I'm here with, uh, I'm Adrian Lizer. I'm here with Jake Hatch and Eric behind the glass. And uh, you heard the highlights coming into the show. There's the Jazz. They got their fifth win in, fifth win? Fourth win in a row? Fourth? Fifth? Fourth. Fourth. Fourth win in a row over the Boston Celtics last night. Mike Conley having a big time night for the Jazz. Conley and the bench had a big-time night for the Jazz, while the rest of the starters had not-so-good nights for the Jazz. We'll get into that as we go, Jake, and a lot to talk on the show today. Utah State is in the Mountain West Tournament Finals. Correct. San Diego State and the Aggies. Uh, you got the Jazz tonight against the Detroit Pistons. You've got RSL in action right now. You've got Austin's in professional sports. You've got a local story of a name, a player that people know of. That he's on his mo- he's on the move, and that and much much more today on the Saturday shows. We're with you from one o'clock to three o'clock today, and then we will make way for Scott Gerard on the call as uh, as I mentioned Utah State in the final today on CBS. So it should be fun to watch today. And uh, Scott is actually going to join us in about ten minutes. Is the plan to kind of mm-hmm. give a preview on this game today. So a lot to talk about, Jake. How are you today on this uh, windy but warm? 
day. I'm here. great. Weather's actually pretty good. It's been good for a couple of days here. Supposed to have some wet weather come in tomorrow, it looks like. But hey, it's in the 50s. I don't care. You can rain all you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to, I saw in the next couple of weeks there's supposed to be maybe snow moving through, yeah. but the high is still in the 50s. So I don't know how that works. Yeah, so it... Overnight, maybe? Yeah, overnight. We'll see what happens. But it, I'm great. Uh, my first statement there, take that, haters. Anybody who's still hating on Mike Conley, I think last night should shut everybody up. Yeah, you had a good night. Like, I just... I feel like the last 10 to 15 games... Mike Conley has really come into what we expected to see from him to start this season. Yeah, and um, something that you uh, you talked about months ago when we were talking about the viability of what Mike Conley could do for this team is as he didn't really start very well. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any way to argue. That no, he did no, there's start no well. arguing that. No, but um, the idea that he couldn't get back to an average Mike Conley is something that we've talked about a lot on this show. And uh, you were talking about how it's not just he doesn't need to score 25 points like he has times. In his, last night he scored 25, but mm-hmm. um, he just needs to get to average play. And he hadn't been there in the last little bit, Jake. He's been very good. Last night, uh, 25 points, hit six threes, nine to 16 from the field, and also had three assists. So uh, Conley, really nice night considering the starters went minus 20, minus 17, minus 20, minus 20. Those being Bogdanovich, O'Neal, Gobert, and Mitchell were the bench. Uh, this is not the game. This is the kind of game that you look at the bench and go, thank you for mm-hmm. the way you built this team because Niang went plus 23, Bradley plus 25, Clarkson plus 26, and Ingles plus 22. And when those guys got in after the starters had really just started so poorly, correct? Um, they came in, got the comeback, and gave the lead. I jokingly tweeted last night that the starters are coming in to hold on to a lead that the bench got them. But you weren't wrong. And I wasn't wrong. And they still went minus 20, minus 17, minus 20, minus 20. So well, Let's put it this way. And it happens. Yeah. This is yeah. I'm not saying they they suck or anything. That's no. just It happens sometimes. And other than Mike Conley, the starters struggled. And this is why the team was built the way it was. Mm-hmm. And Ingles coming off the bench. with the, And Bradley, Bradley played as – he played – for a guy who only had six points and four rebounds. It's better than an impactful night as you would He had expect. a very impactful night out yeah. of Tony Bradley. And, of course, Clarkson and Yang were instrumental. Well, I'm going to echo something that both uh, David Locke and Ron Boone put on their postcast on the Locked On uh, Jazz feed last night. But they came out and said that games like this where Donovan Mitchell goes 3 of 15 and Boyan Bogdanovich sh- shoots 2 of 9, those are games that you don't win normally if you're the right. Utah Jazz. And full credit goes to that bench unit. Well, and two, uh, we we talked about how this it was built. So if say Mitchell had a bad night, yeah. that Bogdanovich could go yes. off or whatever, and that just didn't happen. And uh, you think, oh, well, luckily the bench was around. Yeah, it's true. And I, I give full credit to the bench unit. They came in and they actually played a pretty lengthy stretch in that kind of stretching between that first and second quarter, Adrian. And Quinn Snyder, I think, saw what they were doing and said, you know what? I'm going to let these guys roll for a little bit here. And they delivered the the lead to the Utah Jazz that they never relinquished in this game. And I thought the Jazz defense actually had one of their best outings that we've seen in probably two months last night as well. I thought they were... It helped. It looked better that the Celtics couldn't hit anything. Yeah, but they the Jazz played more cohesive as unit, I felt like, last night. I think two things are true about last night. They played better defense, okay. and Boston was without two of their best players. That is also true. Jalen and Brown and Gordon Wa- Hayward, yeah. And Kemba Walker was on a minutes restriction. Correct. So I think that two things can be true. The Jazz looked better on defense because they did, you know, they held Jason Tatum, a guy who's been on fire. Uh, he had 18 points. Marcus Smart. Had a really nice night. He had 29, but mm-hmm. I, I think 
you can you can say both that the Jazz look good, yeah. The bench looked good. The defense looked good, and it helped that the Celtics were without Hayward and Brown, and Kemba was on a minutes restriction. And that's not to take anything away from the Jazz. No, but I think I would have really liked to see them match up against a full strength Celtics team last night. But in the words of Scotty, you can only play who you're playing. Yeah, it's and true. Uh, they went out and they won a game against a good team. That regardless of those guys being out, you still had, you know, Tatum smart, Jason Tatum, who's been in Fuego for the better part of a month it looks like he's yeah. just been lights out and, and but Mar- injuries hitting the Celtics hard right now absolutely Marcus Smart played extremely well in this game I thought it was a good win for the Utah Jazz it wasn't a pretty win I'll, I'll say that right up front here there were points in this game where you're like this is tipping a little bit for the Jazz especially in this, that second uh-huh. half but credit full credit goes to the Jazz every time Boston looked like they were going to surge and get this game within five or so points the Jazz would uh hit a critical bucket. Mm-hmm. Mike Conley would get a, would get that floater or hit, get a layup or a three-pointer that would extend that lead back out. Full credit goes to the Jazz for just hanging on to that lead and never allowing Boston to really get within uh, that th- three- to five-point margin, I feel like, Adrian, that all of a sudden, if they get to that point, you can kind of feel that momentum really shift for a team. And I felt like the Jazz, every time it looked like it might tip for them, in that, especially in the second half last night, they hit a critical bucket that extended that lead back out and kind of staved off any hopes that the Celtics had of really surging into that lead. So it was a good win. You're right. You would have liked to have seen them play maybe a, a full-strength Boston lineup to see how they match up, but you went to Boston and took down one of the three yeah. best teams in the Eastern Conference. And it's kind of been a recurring theme this year with the Jazz missing, like stars missing games Correct. against the Jazz. And it's been a, actually a bad thing for the Jazz. But, but it's okay. You know, you, you still got to go in and win those games. Correct. Either way, that's still a tough place to go win. Mm-hmm. And so, um, good win from the Jazz. They in, uh, they improved their record of uh, teams above 500 to 11 and 14. So, yeah, we're creeping back towards 500. Yeah. That's good. And I yeah, that was a different number yesterday. Maybe I'm just reading this wrong. Well, here's the thing, Adrian. We were we were all belly aching last week about the Jazz and their, their issues. I say they lost four straight. They've now won four four in a row, and they could finish out this road trip tonight at, at Detroit with a five-game win streak and come back home and get ready for some high-level opponents over the next week here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. I think the Jazz have... Um, they're still a work in progress. They're not a finished product by any means. I don't think any team is. But the nice part is right now, Adrian, we're seeing Mike Conley start to come on. We're seeing a guy like Joe Ingles last night had a good first half, was hitting buckets, especially in that first quarter. It, it it looks like it's trending in the right direction for the Jazz, at least at this point. And that's a positive development as we creep up on just 20 games left in this season. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Okay. How do you become a less streaky team? Because I think you made a really good point in the fact that the Jazz are a very streaky team. They, they can't... Well, you just look at the standings. Yeah, they four, can't, five, they four, can't five. seem to lose one, yeah. win one, or yeah. win two, lose one. How do you how do you think you become a less streaky team? Well, I think if they had that answer, they'd have figured it out already, honestly. Yeah. It just might be the nature of this team this year. Yeah. So. And there are teams that are like that. Yeah. There, I, we, you can go back in NBA history and see teams that are... Yeah, they go on runs, whether they lose a bunch in a row or they win a bunch in a row, and that appears to be what the Jazz are this year. But the nice part is I think at least is the Jazz, at least at this point, so speaking of Saturday, March 7th, 2020, things are looking up for them right now. And we're coming down the stretch run of the season. Kawhi Leonard said their first game back out of the All-Star break for the Clippers, it's go time. I think the Jazz have realized, hey, it's go time now. And as it stands right now, they're starting to figure some things out. Yeah, and um – 
you know, with the the streakiness, it just it's frustrating for people to, who are trying to get a genuine handle on the team. Correct. Yes. You know, it, but. yeah. If you're riding the roller coaster of fandom with this team, it's a up and down herky jerky ride. There's no there's no doubt about that. Yeah. So, um, it, it's been fun though to kind of be along for the ride. I think correct. But it, it's hard to really get a gauge on them, and I, that's why I think it's going to be really hard to say, oh, this is how the Jazz are going to finish up. Yes. I, I don't think there's an easy way to just gonna just be like, oh, I believe they're going to go this many wins and this many the rest of the way because they are so streaky. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at next week when you've got – their next seven games are just brutal yeah. after tonight. Yeah. You've got Toronto. You've got Memphis. You've got New Orleans on a back-to-back next Friday, Saturday. The redeeming grace of you it got all the Lakers. is they're at home yeah. for the next little bit. But you're talking about – you're welcoming uh-huh. Zion and John Morant, two guys who are – they're I mean, John Morant has led his team to the playoffs, and all the NBA is talking about how Zion's coming for it. Yeah. They're th- those two and teams. They're, they're battling right now. Those teams, two teams, have playoff aspirations. So you can guarantee they're motivated. They're, they're motivated, and that's yeah. a back-to-back where they're both coming in here. And you're talking about hype machine coming through town as yes. well. And so then you got the Lakers who mm-hmm. uh, just dismantled the Bucks last night, and, and they a, looked really, really they good. They looked really, so. really good. Yeah. And um, you've got them on a weird back-to-back kind of thing. So it. The Jazz are really hard to get a gauge on, so I, I don't think there's you can just say, oh, they're going to go this many games and get to this seed. Who knows? Yeah, we, I think you have the the right assessment in that regard. Absolutely. We we right now trying to prognosticate where the Jazz are going to finish in the playoffs. I I, I it's it's going to be hard to really just uh, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens with this team because. You're right. I think you could say, I think the Jazz could finish in the three seed. Sure, you can say that, but based on what we've seen from the Jazz so far this season, it's just, it's been very, it's been hard to gauge this team. You're right. Just the trying to nail down what this team is, has been near impossible. And that's why I, I, I don't want to say I don't like, it's hard to trust what you're thinking. Good point. Yes. Because every streak changes your mind. Uh-huh. The well, 18 of the 20, the 19 of the 21, it was like, dang. But the, and then you went, oh, the schedule, blah, blah, blah. But you're like, it's not accidental that you win 19 of 21. That, yeah. that doesn't happen. And then you lose four in a row. And you're like, oh, my gosh, something's wrong. And then they win four going into the All-Star break, beating the Heat. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, this team's ready to go. <laughs> then they lose four coming out of it. <laughs> it's true, though. You, you you just look at their – he goes, have a four-game win streak, a five-game losing streak, a four-game win streak, a four-game losing streak, a four-game win streak currently that they're on. It's just – it's been up and down all the way around for the Jazz. The biggest thing now, I think, is uh, we're just going to have to see if this team can finally find some semblance of consistency over yeah. the next little bit. But you're right. The, the, there's a stretch of games coming up here, Adrian, beginning Monday, where you're looking at saying, okay, Jazz, if you really want to legitimize yourself once again this season, this is a stretch to do it. Yep. They've got Detroit tonight, which I expect them to win, but then they come into town to play Toronto, mm-hmm. a team that just clinched their playoff spot uh, at Oklahoma City on Wednesday. Then they come home for a back-to-back New Orleans-Memphis, then L.A. on Monday at home, then on the road at the Lakers, and then they've got a Minnesota game, and then a San Antonio back-to-back, and then Dallas. So things are looking. This is a really great test. Yeah. This run, and um, talk about think about the the stars come through Vivint Smart Home Arena. You got Siakam and the rest of the. You want to see star power? You got Jaw. You've yeah. got Zion. You've got LeBron coming into town. Oh, don't forget about Anthony Davis. Come on now, Anthony Davis. The brow. Come on, the brow. 
put him top five right now in the NBA? Uh, right now, this yes. This season? Right now, yes. Yeah, I would. because KD and Steph are out. And the biggest thing is he's had a nice run of extended health so far this season. Like, he hasn't had it because his runs that he had, he had good runs in New Orleans, but then an injury would pop up. You know, it's, it, he's so good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's amazing. But it's been interesting to watch him playing off the ball a little bit. Off the ball a yeah. little bit because LeBron is just – he's the best – LeBron's the best player on that team, but Anthony Davis makes the Lakers run, I Correct. think, in a, in a way. And uh, it's been interesting to watch him kind of play off LeBron, and it's just, but he's been so good. He's the perfect Robin for for the Batman that is LeBron right now. And LeBron's got to convince him to stay. Yeah, and I'm guessing that's not going to be too hard. But he'll hey. end up in Golden State. Him or Giannis <laughs> will end up in Golden State, and it'll be just Let's another era of oh, the Warriors just pummeling the rest of the NBA. Yes, it was cool to see Steph Curry back. I yeah, think. that was when he hit that almost half quarter yeah. leaning away. I was like, he's yep, so he like, never left. All right, Kia at Wasatch Front Kia Kia Kia, the Kia store on the phone is Scott Gerard, our fearless leader and voice of the Utah State Aggies, as they are in action tonight taking on San Diego State. Scotty, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. Just uh, driving here in Vegas. To my left is this behemoths, uh, whatever you call those weird vacuum cleaners that uh, go around your house, the new uh, Vegas Stadium, oh, beautiful The site. Roomba? Roomba, that's what I was thinking of. But I was thinking, is it Zumba? No, I'm like, no, that's the uh, exercise the all the housewives yeah. do. And yeah. I, can't, I couldn't remember exactly which one it was. How does that stadium yeah, work, by the way? It looks really cool. I'm not going to lie to you. And it's funny because it's just right off – it's right off of Tropicana, right, right there, tucked yes. right next to I-15. Oh, like so! I drove through there in May, Scotty, and my wife. We were driving, and she hadn't seen Allegiant Stadium yet. It's with the, and she, she, all of a sudden, she's like, "What's that?" Because it just pops yeah. up. It's right there. I'm like, "That's the new Raiders Stadium." And she's like, oh. "Holy smokes! It is right there." It's just, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know. Jake can probably hit it pretty far. It's about a three iron right off the freeway. It's, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, it's right there for you. It's that's for sure. Uh, Scotty, last night the uh, Aggies they defeat Wyoming. Cowboy fever was gripping the nation as they were winning a couple games, but uh, Utah State wins another thriller, eighty nine eighty two. Just before we preview tonight, kind of what were your thoughts on the game last night? Well, I love it because uh, if if you weren't a Utah State fan, you were rooting for Wyoming. I mean, it yeah. was a great story, an eleven seed. They set the record for most three pointers made in the Mountain West Conference, in a conference tournament. Um, they just were hitting everything. And uh, and Utah State came in and had an early lead and looked like they were going to roll. And Wyoming just starts making every shot. A kid who shot 21% from three going into the game ends up shooting like five of seven from three. It was just one of those nights where they couldn't miss, and Utah State had to hold on for dear life and finally got a little separation late to get the W. But they've been tested both games. Uh, in this tournament, and it's been uh, it's been one of those where they've had to earn everything that they've got, and it should be a fun one today against San Diego State. Yeah, Scotty, it, it, what I've seen from Utah State the last two games is they've had to dig deep to win both of these games. Is that going to take uh, something out of them as they go into the third game in three days facing off against the number five team in the country? Yeah, not only third game in three days, but essentially third game in about 43 hours. That's a good I point. Up yeah, last night. That's a good point. And, uh, and Abel Porter's banged up. He only played five minutes in the game last night. I anticipate he's going to give it a go again uh, coming up tonight. Um, and they'll start him, I would assume, and then see how that back holds up. Uh, and then, you know, Sam Merrill's taking a beating. 
Uh, uh, Diogo Brito, who's been great in this tournament, has also been roughed up quite a bit. Uh, and then just the wear and tear of two very, very physical games uh, could take its toll. But you know what? These are young dudes. They're in their early 20s. Uh, they should be able to handle it well. That's what the coaching staff feels like. They've tried to do everything they can to keep them as rested as possible. But I would imagine second half, if it's a physical game, which it should be against San Diego State, um, I, I got to imagine that they'll start to fill it a little bit. But the Aztecs are in the same boat. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they, they've done the same thing. They've played two games that have, you know, Air Force challenged them quite a bit. Boise State had a 16-point lead on the on them in the second half or in the first half, and they had to come back and win. So they've they've been through the the grinder as well. Scotty, I would ask you a question as from a broadcasting standpoint. Uh, I look at I think of certain players in college and in the pro sports where I think the home announcer just must love calling games for. How cool is it to call Sam Merrill games when he <laughs> is just doing like against New Mexico when he hits that shot just. He knows he's hitting every shot he's thrown in. How fun is it to call a game of Sam Merrill right now? I mean, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I imagine a little bit, you know, maybe not to that same extreme, but, you know, I'm sure that if you ask Greg Rubel, you know, did you appreciate the the Jimmer Fredette era yeah. uh, the way you should? He'd probably be like, no, I wish I would have uh, appreciated it more. Uh, it's just there's, there's just these special generational players. And Sam Merrill is now the second all-time leading scorer at Utah State next to J.C. Carroll. Um, and then third all-time in the Mountain West Conference in scoring. He's just a special player. He's a good kid, and he deserves all the accolades he's getting. And But, yeah, you're right. You know, every time that ball leaves his hand, you're almost surprised if it doesn't go down, especially uh, with under five minutes left to go because he's had to essentially win both these games for Utah State the last two nights. Scotty, and I want to echo what Adrian said about a, guy, a kid in Sam Merrill. How does he compare in terms of the excitement factor to a guy like J.C. Carroll? Of course, they're now 1-2 in the scoring ranks all time in that in program history. But I remember watching J.C. Carroll, and he just had unlimited range. Has he got the same kind of thrill factor in your mind, that speaking of Merrill, that J.C. Carroll had? Well, J.C. Uh, was a little flashier um, because, I mean, his scoring would come in bunches. And yeah. he was, you know, he's, he's Utah State's version of, of Jimmer, essentially, where – he had the green light to shoot anywhere he wanted from any distance as many times as he wanted. And Sam Merrill has that same kind of thing. But the thing that I think separates Sam is that not only does he have range, not only can he score, but he can get to the rim. He can finish at the rim. He's got a mid-range game. And every game he's drawing the best offensive player from the other team. I mean, he has got tonight, he'll match up against Malachi Flynn. And if somebody else gets hot, they'll move him over there. I mean, he is not only the best offensive player for Utah State by a mile, but he's the best outside of Namiya Shkada, the best defensive player, and certainly the guy that has to rely on taking on the best perimeter scorer. And so he has to deal with that every night. So he may not have the same kind of flash that maybe J.C. had, um, but J.C., and this is Stu Morrill's words, not mine, couldn't guard a chair. And so um, Sam Merrill has, got, has to play not only high-level offense, but high-level defense on every, on every possession. Uh, tonight, Scotty, to take on the Aztecs. Boise State gave them a little run last night, but uh, they they emerged, and the Aztecs still the fifth-ranked team in the country. Uh, I thought uh, Utah State kind of got a tough draw against them on Kawhi Leonard night, and they still <laughs> they gave them a good good game down there in San Diego. But that's a tough night to win. Uh, you think they? What do you think about tonight's game? Um, I look, I. Utah State plays well against San Diego State. They, you know, they lost by, I think it was eight in Logan, and that's when Utah State was really 
having their big struggles when they had lost three out of four. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was probably their low point of the season uh, was when they lost to San Diego State in Logan. And then they uh, and then in, in San Diego, you're right, Utah State led by 10 uh, early in the second half, and, and uh, the Aztecs uh, got hot from the perimeter and, uh, and, and, and pulled away late. You know, the interesting thing with the Aztecs is certainly no lead is safe. And over this last six or seven games, it seems like every game they're down by double digits. They were down to Air Force at halftime in the quarterfinals mm-hmm. and came back and won. Boise State was up by 16 uh, in the first half, and in San Diego State went on to win. Uh, Colorado State looked like they had them beat in San Diego at the end of the regular season, and they came back and won. They, they, they're one of those few unique teams that have the ability to flip the switch, and uh, they, can, you know, they, they can do it. And so even if Utah State's got a lead in this game, it's not safe. Aztecs are playing great basketball. They can shoot from anywhere on the court. They're loaded with shooters, and they're an elite-level defensive team. I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun watching Malachi Flynn play because he is just a consummate, consummate player. And I think he's if he uh, if teams can overcome if he can overcome the height issue that he has, I think he might be a decent NBA player. He's just really, really good. Matt Mitchell's an elite-level three-point shooter. It's just uh, it's going to be a battle for Utah State, but. Utah State plays their game. They don't get rattled. It'll be a big San Diego State crowd here tonight. Uh, I think Utah State's got every opportunity to win this game. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they have San Diego State down 12 down there at Viejas? Was it? Am I wrong? Yeah, it was. Yeah, they were they were leading by eight at half. Okay, and then pushed it to I think it was either 10 or 12 with about I don't know 17, 16 okay. minutes to go, and then Matt Mitchell got hot. Yeah, Matt Mitchell's a, Matt Mitchell's an interesting cat. If you haven't seen him play, but there's a dude that uh, he uh, you know look. We can we can appreciate our own and and so I can say this he's he's a big man pajama and he was carrying some extra lbs and uh, and last year in the spectrum the uh, spectrum student section got on him pretty good and uh, so he uh, he dropped about thirty pounds in the off season and he went into Logan this year and just torched Utah State and then uh, and then got him again in San Diego he was the one that spurred their comeback. And uh, he's made it known that he has his eye out on Utah State based on the way he was treated in Logan a year ago. <laughs> uh, last thing, Scotty, they get to this point, they get to the finals of the tournament. I look at the Utah State's schedule. They have what? I would call it maybe three really bad losses, but they've got big wins. Uh, when you look at the committee, they got a minimum of 25 wins. Is this an at-large team in your, team in your opinion? Because I kind of think they are. Uh, I think so. It's going to, you know, they need to play really well today. Okay. Uh, and then because the committee is going to be keeping a really close eye on this game. Uh, and Utah State hasn't looked good against New Mexico, hasn't looked good against Wyoming. And I'm sure the committee has taken notice of that. From a strictly numeric standpoint, I think Utah State should be in. But yeah. that always, you know, that never seems to, you know, hold up. The committee is also going to use the eyeball test. So if Utah State plays really well today but loses, I think they've got a chance to uh, sneak in. Um, but uh, you never want to leave it in the hands of the committee because right now if you look at Palm and Lenardi, they're either in the last four in, last four out. I mean, they are right there on the edge. And with still a week of games left to go with, you know, with them playing early and another oh, yeah. team, you know, other teams having another week of games, they have a chance to pad their resume a little bit more. It might be tough for Utah State to get in. So it certainly is important for them to try to take care of business and win the, uh, the outright bid. Part of me wants the committee just to put them against BYU and like Spokane <laughs> or something like that. Well, that would be hilarious to me. We all know BYU can't have that happen because of Gonzaga. Yeah, but that's, that's all right. All right. Well, uh, Scotty, I appreciate your time today, and uh, we'll be listening to the call and turning the TV down and your volume up. 
Awesome, man. Guys, appreciate it. Have a good one. You as well. Thank you. That's Scotty G. He'll be on the call tonight. Make sure you hear that right here on The Zone. Uh, home of Utah State basketball yes. and football. Yeah. Scotty does such a good job. Home that, of so. the Aggies. Yes. So uh, make sure you tune in today. That's He's going to get going at 3 o'clock when mm-hmm. we wrap things up here. So big thanks to Scotty for hopping on with us. All right. Uh, we're way over, Jake. So let's yeah. go to break. Coming up on the other side, Jake has some news out of BYU football. We also have an interview coming up. And uh, we have an interview right on the other side. We Nick are Robinson, way BYU assistant coach. I forgot that it's was okay. going on. My bad. All right. Coming up next here on The Zone. Oh, Marina. This game is proudly presented by Adidas. Get your tickets for Jazz versus Raptors on Monday, March 9th. And don't forget to stop by the home court store located outside Portal V to get your very own pair of Adidas Dawn Issue 1s. See you at the game. Utah is a great treasure in the Utah State Railroad Museum located inside Ogden's Union Station. Preserving the past, enhancing the present, and transforming the future are goals Union Station Foundation has for the iconic building and museums. The third annual Drive for the Rails Golf Tournament on April 27th at Ogden Golf and Country Club will raise funds to upgrade and improve Ogden's Union Station. Join England Logistics, LHM Chrysler Jeep Dodge Riverdale, Golden West Credit Union, Fresenius Medical, and others in this great cause. Call Mike Plowman at 801-473-9465 or visit unionstationogden.com. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Jake Hatch, Adrian Leiser. Pleased to welcome in now Nick Robinson, BYU assistant basketball coach. Coach, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, March and uh, got college basketball uh, in the air. So doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Coach, let's start off here. You guys are down in Las Vegas getting ready for a semifinal matchup on Monday. Obviously, you guys still don't know who you're going to face because there's still uh, quarterfinal matches going on tonight. Or I guess we could really call them quarterfinal matches. you got that triple bye. But how uh, how difficult has it been at this point to really evaluate who, who to prepare for versus having to prepare for everybody at the same level? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes uh, complete sense. I mean, for us, one of the things that we've really tried to do this week is really just to uh, get back to some of the basics of who we are, right, defensively, offensively, and really emphasize those things. Um, you know, so we're, we feel like we've got a pretty good uh, idea, uh, you know, in terms of the semifinal matchup, you know, which will be determined tonight uh, between Pepperdine and St. Mary's, two great teams that are going to battle it out. Uh, so we've got a, a pretty good idea of what we need to prepare for and how we have to prepare. Uh, Coach, do you feel uh, you've had some guys who are on the team from last year. Do you think the attention has been really focused on the tournament because of kind of the way that some of them experienced last year's WCC tournament and the way that uh, BYU lost to San Diego? Or is it just every year is different and uh, you move forward? Yeah, I think every year is different. You know, I'm sure some of the guys, uh, you know, kind of have that maybe a little bit in the back of their minds. But, you know, that loss that they took was a real motivating factor for them uh, through the summer, right, and Mm -hmm. into the fall. And uh, we haven't really talked about it at all. Uh, You know, this is a brand-new year. The guys have, 
uh, you know, been able to, uh, you know, accomplish, accomplish some amazing things, right, as a group. And so our, our real focus has been on, you know, what is it that we have to do to start the game right, uh, to play, uh, you know, great BYU basketball like we've done the past, uh, you know, four to five weeks and, uh, you know, continue that momentum uh, into Monday and Tuesday. Coach, how fun has this team been to be around this season? you got seven seniors, and they've kind of really, based on what I've perceived in covering this team, they've kind of led the way and really made things easy on you as coaches. Am I right in that assessment? Well, I, th- I think that they've made it, uh, you know, easy in the, in the sense that, you know, they're great young men, right? They're uh, mature in their own right, uh, and we've got great leadership, right? And, you know, obviously that starts with Coach Pope. Um, you know, Coach Burgess, Coach Fieger, um, you know, but then, you know, Jake Tolson, right, who's, uh, you know, been able to uh, be uh, with Coach Pope and that staff, you know, for a couple of years now, has a great understanding, but T.J. Oz and Yoli Childs and Dalton Nixon and Zach Selyus, you know, those guys are all tremendous leaders in their own way, uh, so they're able to hold each other accountable and uh, been able to fight through frustration on a continual basis, you know, together. And so, uh, you know, I think that's been something that, you know, has made it a little bit easier, uh, maybe, maybe than other teams in the past. But, uh, yeah, having great character, you know, young men uh, who want to win, who want to sacrifice, who want to do the best they can to get better every day, uh, you know, makes coaching uh, uh, really enjoyable. Uh, Coach, the WCC, this seems to be about as strong as the conference has been in a long time as far as the basketball side of things. How has it been kind of navigating the conference when you guys are having a lot of success, but it seems like every team has really lifted their game this year? Yeah, I mean, this is my first first year in the WCC, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it's a tremendous league with tremendous coaches. And, um, you know, from top to bottom, you know, you know, teams are trying to make adjustments week in and week out, you know, so it makes it, you know, a little bit of a challenge for us as assistants in terms of scouting, Um, you know, but overall, I mean, there's great players in this league and, you know, right now, you know, with all the projections, we're sitting with, uh, you know, three teams, you know, you know, potentially in the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, and we'll find out, you know, a week from tomorrow, but, uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, a great championship going on right now, and uh, we're excited to be here in Vegas and looking forward to compete against, uh, you know, whoever, uh, you know, wins tonight. How important has Yoli Childs been to this team, Coach? He missed the nine games with the suspension earlier this year. He had the four-game absence due to that finger injury, but how important has he been to this team? You know, I mean, well, we, we obviously understand and know that Yoli is one of the best you know, offensive, uh, you know, players at his position in the country. And, you know, his willingness to, you know, to buy in, to become a better defender, to continue, right, his prowess as a elite rebounder, um, you know, but then ultimately, you know, with the suspension and the injury, you know, he's made uh, tremendous strides to uh, be a better leader, to be a great teammate, and to understand the sacrifice that's required from everybody in the program uh, to be able to have the success that we're having. And so, you know, he's he's a, an exceptional talent, you know, and, you know, his, uh, his game definitely speaks to that. And, and uh, you know, it's been a tremendous you know, honor to be able to coach him, uh, you know, for all of us. And, and again, you know, I mean, he, he's a, he's a great player, uh, but he's a great individual. He's a great, uh, man. And, you know, and he wants to win just as bad as the other guys do. So, uh, it's, it's been a really good season for him and for us and glad we get to do it together. 
BYU assistant basketball coach Nick Robinson on with uh, Jake and I here. And coach, just a little bit of a follow up on that. No one wants to miss that many games for suspension or injury or anything like that. But what did you see from the team um, without Yoli and how they were able to come together and still win a bunch of games in his absence? And then how was it integrated into him? I know it's been a long season since he's been back, but it seems to me as an outsider looking in that the team gelled without him and they were so connected and you guys had everything so connected that when he was added back in it was like oh we just got to add another big piece to our team that's already come together so well yeah well one of the things that coach pope you know has done a really incredible job with you know with each of our guys this year is to you know help them understand and believe you know that uh, you know them at their best um, you know, regardless of the challenges that we face, regardless of the frustration that we might have, you know, that we can do this together. And, uh, you know, our guys have really bought into that. So, you know, when Yoli was out, you know, those first nine games, you know, we had, you know, senior leaders that were willing to step up and uh, Jake and TJ and Dalton, Zach. And, you know, we had guys that maybe didn't have some, uh, you know, significant roles last year. I have to step into those, uh, you know, like Colby Lee and, um, you know, and so each guy, you know, has continued to be able to gain confidence throughout the year, um, you know, whether Yoli was in the lineup uh, or out of the lineup. And so, you know, in terms of the integration, you know, we, you know, we, we've had to deal with, you know, guys being in and out of, out of the lineup, you know, throughout the year. And so, you know, Coach Pope's adjustments, uh, you know, both offensively and defensively to be able to do that consistently, you know, has really just been incredible. So, um, but again, you know, a lot of credit goes to our guys and their leadership and their, you know, willingness to sacrifice and to, you know, pick up the slack and, and uh, you know, do great things when guys have been out of the lineup. When you guys get ready for this game on Monday, obviously you guys don't practice on Sunday. How difficult is it knowing, hey, your last chance to get on the court with these guys is going to be today, maybe this evening at the very latest, and then Monday you've got a short probably uh, walk-through slash shoot-around, and then you're on the court playing in the game? Well, I mean, for us, fortunately, we went through this exact same situation uh, in Maui. Uh, for the Maui Invitational. And so, uh, you know, we've been there before, and we'll draw up on that. Uh, we'll go out and have a great practice, uh, you know, tonight. And tomorrow we'll, uh, you know, continue to make sure that our bodies are, you know, in a great situation uh, come Monday. And, uh, you know, we'll have a, a really good shoot around and come out and uh, be ready to compete uh, Monday night. So, uh, you know, the guys, it's not unfamiliar territory. Uh, it is a little bit new, unique, you know, given our our situation of not uh, practicing or playing on Sunday. But, uh, you know, our guys, they're prepared for it. Hey, Coach, I wanted to ask you kind of a non-BYU question, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, sure. You worked with uh, Brooke and Robin Lopez at Stanford, correct? That's correct. And uh, it's kind of how is it – do you stay in contact with those guys and how is it seeing them kind of they're on the same team now and having such a successful season with the Bucks? Yeah, I mean, those two young men are having an amazing NBA yeah. career, and they'll, they'll be, you know, mainstays for a few more years. And, uh, you know, over the years, I've had a chance to get a chance to see them play, uh, you know, at some of the, the games when they're in town. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's uh, one of those things, you know, everybody, <laughs> you know, continues to stay extremely busy. They're yeah. in the, you know, the guts of their season. You know, we are too. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, want, to, you know, the best for them. And a, a lot of the guys that's uh, – uh, you know, we've been able to coach over the years that are, uh, you know, in their final stretch of their pro seasons. Coach, 
you've seen guys ju- make the jump from college to to the NBA. Speaking of the Lopez brothers, is Yoli Childs an NBA guy in your mind? You know what? One of the things that uh, you know separates the the Lopez twins is obviously their height. Yes, right. But for uh, all the guys that I've been associated with. Uh, you know, that have been able to go from uh, college to the NBA, you know, a lot of it really depends on how willing they are, right, to uh, take on a role mm-hmm. at the next level, right? I mean, it's, it's so, so difficult to go from being the man, uh, you know, in uh, uh, in college to then, you know, accepting and being willing to fight for a role, uh, to fight for a job. And so, you know, Yoli, I believe that he's got that in him as well. And, uh, you know, if he's willing to fight, uh, you know, for that role and fight for that job, uh, he's got a, as great a chance as anybody, um, you know, that I've been around to get to the next level. Coach, we can't thank you enough for taking the time. Wish you guys be- the best of luck on Monday and hopefully Tuesday. And we'll be tracking you going forward, getting ready for March Madness. All right. Thanks, Coach. Hey, hey thanks, guys. Go Cougs. There you go. Nick Robinson, BYU assistant basketball coach. Some great thoughts there. I think he had a very good point on the Yoli Childs thing. Is Yoli willing to take on the role that he needs to take on if he want if he truly wants to be an NBA guy? Yeah, I mean Yoli's his problem. Like I like I totally agree with what Coach Robinson said. I, yeah. I is he's going to have to figure out a way to make it work Correct. in the NBA, and there are guys who do. Um, you know, and uh, it's it's going to be tough, but like you like he said, it's hard to go from being the man to trying to yes. grind your way through, and yeah. maybe you start in the G League, and you have to. You know, really stick with your craft. But I wanted to ask about the Brook and Robin because they seem like just really, yeah, like interesting dudes, oh. and they're so different. As Interesting's t- a very good adjective, and they're like, them. and they're twins, but they're yeah. so different oh, in yeah. their personalities. Sideshow Bob, and yeah, and they said they won't live together because their cats hate each other, and like, <laughs> there's, there's just like they're cat guys. That should tell you everything you need to know. And you know, Robin's just so funny with other mascots yeah. around the. Area. So it's just, I, that's cool that he got to work with them a little bit yeah. while he was at Stanford. Yeah, so the. One thing that I think a lot of people wonder about Yoli, we'll get to break here in just a second, is that his three-point shooting. They wanted to see him be able to shoot the three at a high clip. He's 49% this year from beyond the arc. And it, I know it's in more limited attempts. He's not jacking it up as many as a game as a like guard. it's like a foot deeper in the NBA. I get that. But him shooting 40-plus percent, near 50%, that's a positive development. Totally. If you can... You know, if you can hit the three in the NBA, you find a way to stay. Shooters stay in the league. A guy who can hit the three and then get rebounds and yeah. stuff like that, he, you can find a way. All right, yeah. uh, coming up on the other side, a quick technical fouls, and then coming up at the top of the 2 o'clock hour, we will talk with head coach at Dixie State, Paul, Paul Peterson, Peterson yep. as uh, Dixie State is moving into D1 football as they're going mm-hmm. into uh, into independence. So should be interesting there. Yeah, down in St. George, they're going to be an FCS independent. Yep. New era for them, and we'll. I wanted to have him on to talk about because they just started spring football down there as they make that transition. All right, uh, we'll get to that and more here on the Saturday show. Let's go live. We talk jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. 
Technical Files here on the Zone Sports Network. Big thanks to Scotty G and Nick Robinson who joined us in the first hour. Fun first hour. Yeah. Uh, we got Paul Peterson joining us next from Dixie State mm-hmm. as they kick uh, they kicked off spring balls. They're heading in as an FCS independent. We'll have that right around the corner, Jake. So quick technical fouls here. What do you got for us? Uh, technical foul on Quinnen Williams, one of the best Oops. defensive linemen coming out of Alabama in recent memory. Well, he's with the New York Jets and was arrested after trying to board a plane while carrying a loaded gun that is not registered in the state of New York. First off, the gun, the gun, by the way, was not loaded. It was not loaded. Okay, he would be facing like federal charges. Federal charges at that point, but the ammunition was next to the gun. But I just want to clarify, gun was not loaded. So yeah, as a permit for his home state of Alabama for the Glock 19 pistol does not have a gun permit in New York. By the way, just don't try and take a gun on a trip with yeah, you. Yeah, it or not, this yeah, is an just, idiotic thing. Just don't take a gun with you because he got detained, obviously. He's having to deal with the legal ramifications of this. It's just a bad deal. If you're going to travel, don't carry a gun with you. Correct. There you go. Don't bring it on a plane. Uh, my technical files on Brian Williams and his guest uh, the other day, Jake, they uh, they did some really bad math. See if you can keep up on this. We played okay. this on Tony and Austin yesterday, but it's one of the most funny pieces of audio I've ever heard. All right, go ahead. You see it as a possibility if he wants to spend a billion bucks beating this guy, he could do it. Absolutely. Um, somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. I've got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads, U.S. population $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American $1 million and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does, it does suggest, you know, what we're talking about here, which is there, there's too much money in politics. So, Jake... He spent $500 million oh. on ads. The U.S. population is $327 million. That does not mean that everyone oh. would get a million dollars. That means everyone would get like $1.38. Oh, my. Oh, okay. Cable news, you're done. And Just, poor, <laughs> poor Brian Williams, by shut, the way. Shut cable how, news down. How far he has fallen. Yeah, that was all a no one had the guts to stand up to Brian, and they just let him look like an idiot. And then uh, I guarantee someone got fired. Just cancel all cable news. Yep. All of you, yeah. go away. All right, uh, coming up on the other side, that'll do it for the first hour. Uh, Paul Peterson, up next, head coach at Dixie State here on the Saturday Show.